Hello, and welcome to Around the Table, a podcast about food stories from science to everyday life. Hey everyone, today I'm talking to Ashley Chard Danilla, who is a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and a marketing specialist in Philadelphia. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Tess. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So I want to begin by asking you a bit about your story, specifically how you got interested in food and nutrition. For me, it started when I was in second grade. I had a hacking cough and a couple other symptoms, actually, if I'm looking back now, um, for over a year. And we couldn't figure out what it was. And my parents took me to countless doctors. I mean, I tried out asthma medication. I tried out allergy tests, other diagnostic testing. It was just like doctor appointment after doctor appointment. And at the end, one of the doctors, you know, who were out of their tests and diagnoses for me, actually just told my mom that I was exhibiting all these symptoms to get attention. And yeah, so uh, needless to say, that did not go over go over well. But it actually pushed my mom out of her comfort zone. And we actually ended up turning to alternative medicine to an applied kinesiologist who specialized in nutrition. And he actually educated us and he did some of his own testing and really told us to remove refined sugar and dairy from my diet. And within one week, I actually started to get better. So this really, as you can imagine, opened our eyes to diet and nutrition in a way that we had never known before. And so this was in the 90s. So, you know, the 20 plus years following this experience have really given me a lot of time to experiment. You know, I've made good health decisions. I've made bad ones. I've learned from them. Um, I've gotten the proper education to really understand all the consequences of our food and overall lifestyle choices. Um, And I've also really learn to listen to my body and trust my body, which is really important. And on the other side, I've actually worked in marketing of natural food industry. So I've seen another angle of how food really ends up on our tables. And that's also been really eye-opening. So that's really where it all started. So I'm curious when you're talking about this idea of listening to your body, what are some of the things that you've come to realize um, about this process in more recent years? Yeah, that it's huge, (laughs) that it's a really, really big deal, (laughs) to put it in a couple words. Um, Yeah, really getting to, I mean, it's kind of been a whole, it's been an overall life lesson, I think, in general. And it started with, you know, trusting my body that when something seems wrong or you feel like something's wrong, it is, you need to listen. Um, You know, it just goes with trusting your gut and intuition in general. Um, But, you know, I think it goes to really into intuitive eating. Um, and just being intuitive about your body in general. As it applies to food, though, intuitive eating is really an integration of the mind and body when you're eating. Mm-hmm. So as opposed to, you know, saying, oh, these foods are good and these foods are bad, or depriving yourself of certain foods for whatever reason and following strict diet rules, it's really a personal process. So it's very unique to each person. And it's honoring your individual health needs by listening 
understanding and then responding to the messages that your body's giving you. So it's, it's kind of very different than diet culture that we see a lot today. And, you know, a lot of the other messages that we get, you know, via marketing and via social media and a lot of other stuff, there's so much, there's so much information out there, but it's kind of really going back and turning in to see what each of us really need. Mm. And additionally, I'm not opposed to learning about food. I'm actually, I think it's really important to educate yourself about, you know, the quality of our food here in the U S and what goes into it, its history, you know, what it means to each of us culturally, really know what you're eating, but it's really about knowing the basic principles and then learning to just listen and trust your body about, you know, what it may need, how much, and when it needs it. Right. I don't want people to take this as like, oh, I, you know, my, my body and my brain is telling me to go eat fast food every day. Cause that's really what I want. <laughs> <laughs> it's that might be what you're craving. And, you know, every once in a while it might be okay to give into that, but, you know, really understanding that it's, it's knowing the quality of the food and what you're putting in your body is, is just as important. Right. So instead of just giving into the surface level about what our bodies mm-hmm. want, like I want sugar now. It's really about beginning to take a more holistic look. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. So what does this really look like for you in your everyday life? I imagine that at points it can be really challenging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's a continual process, which I think it should be because we have different seasons of our lives and different, I mean, I, I was a collegiate athlete. My eating and exercise habits were a lot different then than they are now. And so that's, that's an adjustment, I think, probably for all athletes. Um, and so it's, it's always a process. So I think that's important to remember. Um, but you know, throughout my life, it's, it's gone, like I said, beyond eating to really understanding when something is out of balance overall and trusting that I know my body best. I always tell people, it seems, sounds so silly to say, but I'm the only one who has ever lived in my body for my entire life. Literally, no one else can say that. <laughs> no one else has more experience dealing with my body than I do. Um, so it's really, really trusting in that and really learning to listen to what your body is saying. Um, so this can look like, like we we're talking about earlier, giving into cravings, you know, because maybe there's a reason behind it. So like whether it's red meat or vegetables, I get cravings for those things, and that you know, I'll be like, okay, I'm just gonna have this tonight. Uh, ice cream even. And then it's really me trying to like, think about it too. Like, Oh, am I just really craving some fat or maybe iron or fiber or magnesium? And kind of just making sure that, you know, really thinking, okay, am I really getting everything that I need? Cause usually cravings mean I'm needing something. Uh, it's trusting my gut or intuition when I feel my body's out of balance, kind of like I was just saying, and really being persistent and insistent on finding a doctor or professional to work with if it's not something that you can fix yourself or really you're at a you know the end of your rope and don't really know what's going on it's really finding somebody who is on the same page as you who might have similar philosophies as you and um really someone who you know can really not dismiss you but really help you to find that that level of wellness that you're looking for because i've been through a lot of that and um that can be pretty frustrating, but I would always encourage somebody to trust those inner, those inner feelings that I'm not, I don't know, something's not right. Um, you know, it can also even reflect of when I choose to work out and what I choose to do when I'm active, 
you know, so I really enjoy intense workouts, but even balancing that with rest or yoga has been an adjustment for me as well as, as like I said, a, an ex-collegiate athlete, it's, it's been, if I'm not sweating profusely, sometimes I feel like I'm not getting what my body needs. And so that's even a, a mental adjustment to say, no, actually, why don't I listen to my body? And so telling my body what it needs, kind of turn it around and listen to what I think I might need today. So that's, you know, that's, that's a lot of what it looks like for me. But I do want to say that although, you know, it's really, like I said, listening in, I still do. And I have done very helpful elimination diets in the past. So there's certain times and places for different um, outlets like this, but, you know, I'll do a reset or some fasting you know, twice a year so that it really helps me to keep perspective and it kind of, that helps me to keep in touch with how I'm feeling mm. and how I can feel. Cause sometimes I forget like, oh my gosh, if I, if I just kind of cut back on dairy or grains, I actually, my skin gets brighter and I forgot about that because I enjoy eating it so much <laughs> or something like that. And so, and also our bodies change all the time. So what foods used to make you feel great or used to bother you, it, that could also change. So it's kind of like a way for me to check in so that I'm like mm. able to do that intuitive process and kind of not lose sight of that too. So it's a little, it's a balance. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so also, I know that as a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, you also have a lot of concrete nutritional advice. And I'm wondering if you could share some of the big things people should be thinking about when it comes to healthy eating. Yeah, some of the ones that I think are pretty overarching, you know, since a lot of them are, like I say, I think it's very personal to you, your genetics, your lifestyle, you know, that's it's very personal, personalized approach. There are some things that are really are pretty broad. And that is added sugar in the diet. Um, you know, this is proven to be very addictive, can be inflammatory, which is really never great for the body when it's coming from food. Um, and it also feeds a lot of times undesirable gut bacteria. Um, there's just a lot of things that are not so great about sugar, especially added sugar. So I'd say really watching that, the intake of your sugar. Um, too much processed or industrial meat. Um, just because I think this brings up environmental, ethical, and healthy issues, it kind of combines all three of those. Um, I'm not against meat, but I think pasture-raised, grass-fed, organic meats where the animals are really treated well and they are really healthy and they're allowed to do normal animal things and lead good, lead, lead good lives, those are the animals that are going to be healthier for us. Um, they're also going to be better environmentally as well as ethically. So a lot of local farmers have this. Um, so if you check into your local farms, a lot of times you can find, find those types of quality meats, um, and, and just cutting down on processed meats, you know, like sausages and pepperoni and that sort of a lot of sandwich meats and things like that, just because it's not as high quality. Um, but also I think a really big one, um, is, eating organic and there are there there's some there's there's some leeway there because there's certain fruits and vegetables that are probably more important to eat organic than others but um glyphosate which is an herbicide that's sprayed on a lot of our food is i have a lot of anecdotal evidence myself that this is such a larger issue than we're led to believe 
I mean, glyphosate has been identified as a probable carcinogen by the World Health Organization. Um, and having said that, it's sprayed on foods right before they're harvested a lot of times. Um, foods that are not even genetically modified to withstand them just as a desiccant to dry them out before harvest. Um, and those have kind of caught me by surprise. And I think it's really important that people know that, that it's not only genetically modified foods like corn, soy, or canola that this is sprayed on throughout the life cycle of the plant, but also right before harvest on foods like wheat, barley, oats, and even beans now. So those are really important to make sure you're buying organic um, because it can definitely, it's not going to improve your health, put it that way. Right. But do you know anything about glyphosate globally? Um, is this something that's banned in other countries? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so surprising. Yes. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's, it's all, it's legal here in the U S and it's used widely here in the U S and, yeah, and and a lot of your, if if not all European countries, it's it's banned. So um, you might have a little bit more insight on which countries exactly, but it's if not all of them, it's it's a lot of them. I just know my gut issues started when I came back to America, so I'm yes. just gonna say that. Yeah, I've been able to eat foods I I literally cannot eat in the U.S. I've been able to eat in Europe, which is. It was shocking to actually feel that difference. And like, it was, it, it was like mind blowing because you just don't think the difference is going to be that, that recognizable and that severe, wow. like that different. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I've been thinking a lot about lately as someone who wants to eat healthy and tries to eat organic, um, is what do I do when I go out to eat, which I have to say lately has been sitting outside mostly because of COVID, but what do I do when I go out to eat and I'm in a restaurant that's not organic? Um, because unless it's an organic restaurant, I think restaurants in the U S aren't necessarily sourcing from the highest quality sources. Um, so do you have any tips for that, for what maybe people should do when they go out to eat? Yeah. You know, it's a tricky question. I almost, you know, I think that I, I don't have a lot of, we'll say qualified advice. <laughs> I have my own little quirks and things that I look for, which I, I can discuss. Um, but I do think that it's like when you do go out to eat, still make the healthy choices that you would normally like to make the choices that you would on an everyday basis, but kind of just know that be aware that you're, there's going to be ingredients hidden in there partially of what makes them, you know, taste so great. A lot of times, um, a lot of times they don't use high quality fats and oils, um, which is like a big one. Um, and like you said, not organic, it's not always going to be organic meats and grass fed meats, although sometimes it is. And, probably barely ever unless it's specified organic vegetables. So it's kind of like just know what you're getting, enjoy the experience to the fullest, and then really just kind of keep that in the back of your mind when you're deciding what to eat for the rest of the week and just know, okay, so I've had that great experience and that was fun and everything. And I just know that in order to keep, you know, my toxic load down and all of the inflammatory things that I probably ate 
say last night, I just need to, you know, make sure that I'm keeping everything balanced going forward. Mm, Yeah, I really like that advice. Thank you. And thank you so much, Ashley, for joining us. This has been really interesting. And I hope you'll be back again. Thanks, Tess. Around the Table is a personal production of Dr. Tess Bird and Professor Stanley Uliajak, who are anthropologists of food and nutrition and of household uncertainty and insecurity. The opinions and ideas expressed are solely those of the contributors and podcasters and do not reflect the opinions of any university body. The music in this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs>